so yeah, in a nutshell, my background personally, I came out of academia. I did a PhD in uh, speech and language technology, uh, mostly focusing on speech recognition. So speech to text. Um, and I finished that a couple of years ago. So that was kind of the beginning, well, I guess maybe middle of the, the boom of the, the neural networks, uh, and, and deep, deep networks in particular. Um, and yeah, so I was doing, uh, doing academic research specifically on making speech recognition work for, uh, so-called low resource languages, or basically just languages where you don't have a ton of data sitting around and you have to hack away a little bit because you can't just throw hundreds of thousands of hours of audio at these models when you only have a, a little bit. So, um, towards the end of my research, I, I joined up with the, the folks at Mozilla. They were working on this, uh, open source project that was open source for code for training these kinds of speech recognition models and also deploying them to the code side of things. And there's also a data side of things, the common voice project, uh, which is as far as I know, one of the most popular kind of crowdsourcing projects specifically made for gathering data for training machine learning models. And, um, I joined the, the team and my kind of, uh, angle was make the technologies work for as many languages as possible. But when I joined, it was working really well, both the data collection and the, um, speech recognition was working really well for English. And, um, I pushed and helped to get it working for more and more languages. And, uh, fast forward, I, I was collaborating with that team the machine learning group at Mozilla, um, for, for a couple of years when we kind of hit this point where the code we were working on and the community we were working with was getting a lot of traction. Um, our speech recognition models, we work in the deep speech project in particular, um, was getting a lot of traction. People were using it in commercial applications and we were getting pinged every single day, like, let me pay you to do this. Let me pay you to do that. And so we decided, um, to basically spin out of Mozilla, uh, get some venture capital and try to take the project and the community to basically to the next level to, to actually get it some resources. Cause we were a pretty small team. We were like four or five people at any given time, the actual core team. Um, with a larger community around that, but, uh, to actually get more, you know, salaried people working on this, it takes some money. So, uh, for the last, I think two and a half, three years, basically, we've been working on Koki and at Mozilla, our focus was mostly speech to text, but when we were starting to split out, uh, the person who was working on speech synthesis was making some breakthroughs that were getting a lot of traction. Um, and we actually had this, this demo that went, uh, viral on uh, number one on hacker news for a while too, um, for, for voice cloning in particular. So clone a voice from a small bit of audio and then synthesize that voice speaking multiple languages. Um, we were, 
I think as far as I know, the first ones who had that working like in kind of a production setting. Um, and then basically we stopped working on speech recognition. Um, unfortunately, I mean, when you have a, you know, a finite number of humans working on something, you splitting between speech recognition and speech synthesis with their, which are both difficult uh, is kind of not tenable for, for a business model. So we went with speech synthesis and uh, haven't looked back. Um, happy to dig in. I, there's, there's lots of stuff. I'm happy to dig into whatever's interesting to you guys. Well, it's cool. And so you've been working on this for a while because like um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all this stuff is sort of came to the limelight this last year in popularity wise for the general public. Uh, but you guys have been grinding away in the background and, and gotten to the to the point where um, yeah. your work's appreciated at least. You know, it's got to be pretty cool to see that. Yeah, it's been honestly, it's been weird, uh, especially. It's been weird, but it's also been great to see how much enthusiasm is around it. Um, but you know, especially for the generative AI, uh, like we've been working with technically generative models for. I mean, I've been working with them for over a decade uh we never called them generative <laughs> i mean we did we did it a very kind of like for deep learning you you usually classify models as is this a classification model or is this a generative model but it never would like generative as a thing was never you know out there hypey on its own so but it's nice because now people are looking at these technologies in a different way even though they've been around for a while like speech recognition has been around here, I don't know, since the seventies or the sixties, maybe it's been around for a while. Um, but only in the last year with these breakthroughs and the kind of diffusion models, have we gotten to the point of not just human like speech, but like convincing, entertaining, fun, human like speech. So it's, it's been a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah, I bet it's crazy. The first time I heard about, I mean, one of your competitors is Eleven Labs. Um, yeah. And I heard about them before I heard about you guys, but I remember using them for the first time and your products are similar um, in quality, I think, but it was, it like blew me away how real the voices are. Like if someone out there listening to this podcast hasn't used uh, Coqui, how do you, I'm going to screw it up every yeah. time I say it. It's Coqui? Coqui. Coqui. Okay. When you, Coqui. Um, it's Koki.ai. Uh, if you haven't uh, checked their site out, check it out because it will blow you away. It's really cool. You type in any kind of text you want and uh, someone will read it like you, you're telling your parents to read it or, or your, your friend to read it out for you, but it's a computer-generated voice. So, um, But if you want to go in a little bit about uh, the website and how it works, uh, Josh, that'd be great um, as well. We've got a few kind of products. Um, one of them is this Koki Studio. It's uh, a creator application and creative teams. So it, I pitch it as the garage band of voiceover, um, but with AI infused. So that's one kind of probably the most common way people interact with us is through that. It's at Koki.ai. Um, we also have uh, an API. So if developers want to integrate us into their applications, um, whether that's speech synthesis or voice cloning. Um, that's something that you can do from the API as well. Basically the core technologies, the core models that we make available in the creator application, we, we make available with an API. 
Um, and also we have this open source, like we've been talking about this open source side of the project, which is the, the models and the code that we are developing. That's also uh, available on places like GitHub and, and Hugging Face. Um, but so uh, starting kind of with the, the website Cookie Studio, yeah, in, in a nutshell, it's like GarageBand for, for voiceover. Uh, and it allows you to organize your projects. Let's say you're working on um, a movie or a, a video game. Those are kind of the two big applications. A lot of our customers are coming from the, the video game industry in particular. Um, but when you organize, uh, let's say a movie, you have scenes. So we also have scenes in that structure. Um, and you have dialogue and different characters speaking to each other. And so we give you tools to organize projects and scenes within projects and then lines of dialogue. And also we give you some tools to adjust the dialogue. So it's not just like you give us text and we give you audio. And if you don't like it, that's kind of like, you don't, you might just shrug your shoulders and be like, oh, you know, with the older models, you would do that. Like you give us text, we give you audio. And if you don't like it, that's your problem, right? <laughs> so we, uh, that's for creative individuals, that's not good enough, uh, obviously. So we've built in these tools to, to help you kind of craft uh, performances. Yeah, for, for the, the models and also the languages that we make available, that's kind of a big part of what we're working on is rolling out to more and more languages. I think right now, as we're speaking, there's seven languages available in Koki Studio. Um, these are kind of seven of the more spoken languages. And we've got 13 total that are working. Our open source is kind of like the bleeding edge of, of what we're working on. So there's 13 languages available if you go to Hugging Face or GitHub. Um, and we're polishing those up and then putting them into Koki Studio. But yeah, we, we try to make it, um, we try to make the, the core models we're working on available whether or not you know how to code and also whether or not you've got a big budget. So people who want to use our models from GitHub and Hugging Face, we release them that's open access as opposed to open source. There's a strict definition of open source that our models do not meet. Uh, we created a new license, uh, the Koki public model license, um, because this is something might be a rabbit hole, but Open source licensing for, for machine learning models isn't, uh, I think, a very well, how do you say? It doesn't work very well, basically. But um, yeah, that's kind of high level of three things that we do. The open source, the API, and then uh, Cookie Studio. And it, so it sounds like the, one of the different differentiators between you and your competitors is like you have more advanced tools. Um, if you want to fine grain, uh, do fine grain things with your tool, it's a little bit easier to do it than maybe someone else. So when you're generating speech, uh, you're doing it for a certain application for a certain end product. It might be something that's real time and you don't want a human to review it. Like you just have, let's say you've got like millions of audiobooks, and your goal is to make those accessible as fast as possible to people with vision impairments, right? Like it's just okay. not possible to take the Library of Congress you know, or some like Project Gutenberg or something and, and synthesize that and then have a human listen to make sure there's no mistakes. It's not possible, right? So you want something that's robust and you can just 
you know, throw text at it and you're going to be confident that it's going to come out mostly okay. That's one application. That's a certain kind of model and that requires a certain kind of API. On the extreme opposite end of that, where we're working is in the creative applications that need, that require a lot of human in the loop. Like this is a, we're creating tools for humans with the, with the Koki studio. So okay. specifically dialogue. Um, if you're making a movie or a video game and the, you're working with like a voice actor, you're not going to stop when you have like a mediocre reading of a, of a, of a line of dialogue, you're going to work until you get that line of dialogue perfect or else you're just not going to use it. You might use subtitles instead. Right. And traditionally that's what's in the gaming studios because it takes so long to make really good dialogue. Uh, you need really good voice actors. You need really good creative directors. You need really good sound engineers and you need sound booth time. Like video game studios, they use so much sound booth time that they will build into their studios, like the, where the engineers are sitting, you know, coding up the video game. They'll have a back room, which is just a sound booth, uh, a really nice sound booth. Um, and they use it all the time. Um, it's, it's a very creative intensive process and it's very rigorous. And if instead of shipping bad audio, they'll just ship subtitles. That's why lots of video games you have, you know, 10 characters who get voiced and then you have whatever, 300 other characters who get subtitles. Um, okay. and so we're, we're trying to make it possible to have that same level of creative control, but much more efficient so that you can get good, like really good, excellent voiceover for all of those other unvoiced characters. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's, uh, like you said, like a video game could have 300, a thousand people and to be able to have, you know, have a dialogue a written out dialogue and have, uh, Kokui do that for you. Um, it's pretty cool. Pretty amazing. Like instead of hiring a voice actor, which it sounds like it's going to happen one day, like maybe there'll be no voice actors. Um, it's possible. Yeah, I think, um, so I thought about this a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally don't think that really, really talented voice actors are going to lose their jobs anytime soon. However, I think that the bar, the, the barrier to entry, like the bar you have to pass to be a voice actor has just been raised a lot. Like you can't be a subpar voice actor anymore because you're getting beat out by AI any day of the week. Um, and this is kind of a fundamental split, like with the voice technology, what happened in the last year? So since like 2016, we've had generative voice that is really human-like that if you did a perception test, is this human, is this not, you would fail it from like 2016. However, what's changed? Why is like 2022, the year, or 2022, 2023, the year of, of generative AI? It, for voice in particular, what happened is we went from human-like uh, to entertaining humans. So like, for the last five years, we've had human-like 
voices, but they're just really boring humans. And it was something that you could use to convey information, like, you know, Siri, tell me the time, whatever. Uh, and Siri maybe sounds human, but sounds like a really boring human who hasn't had enough coffee, right? Uh, and that's not good enough for for movies and video games. Now it's different. I mean, you have AI voices that can shout at you, like convincing us that the voice is human isn't enough. The voice has to convince us of something else, like has to make us afraid, make us sad, make us excited. And that's that's where it's getting really cool this last year. And a lot of cool things you can do is, so for example, what Josh is saying right now, like you can say, oh, talk like a cowboy or talk like you're in a horror movie or talk like however you can imagine. Uh, so we'll have that kind of emotion behind it. Whereas it's not just Alexa coming out, this monotone voice um, telling you mm -hmm. something. So it's really cool to play around with and it's fun too. You know, it's not, you can, you can use it for video games, but you can also use it for just to play around with for entertainment purposes. Um, you can use it for YouTube. Like, so one, one use case it sounds like is, you know, you could do faceless YouTube videos and have them in seven different languages instantly mm -hmm. off of one, one script. So um, things like that, where you just write one script down of what you want the YouTube video to be, and it, it will output um, that in seven different languages in whatever style you want to come across in the voice as well. So if you want to have an accent, a Mexican accent or a French accent, you know, it's possible that that can happen. Um, so there's so many, like you alluded to earlier, Josh, like it's a rabbit hole with all of this technology. So the, this tool is a rabbit hole as well because you can use it for so many different things, which is really, really, really fun to play around with for entertainment purposes, but also awesome for real world purposes, like for businesses as well. So it's really cool. So Josh, uh, can you just walk me through, let's say somebody says, I want to try out this Koki. Seems really cool. Mm -hmm. What does it look like when you, I mean, we've, Ryan and I have visited your website, but for the average person who's never been to your website before, how can they use the Koki Studio? What does it look like? Uh, kind of walk yeah. me through that process. So, uh, so basically, you can sign up and you get a pretty short free trial period. Um, we used to have it longer, but that was getting a little bit abused. So, <laughs> um, we have a, a shorter free free trial. But so basically, you you sign in, and you've got this kind of homepage with uh, with your projects. Um, and they look like big folders. Uh, and uh, you open a project and you've got lines of dialogue. Each line has controls on it that you can adjust to change how that performance happened. You know, in any given kind of scene, uh, you have at the bottom this timeline. This is kind of, I guess, the most garage band looking part of it. Um, and you can review your whole dialogue with all of the characters by playing through that that timeline. Um, and when you've, so the, the typical workflow is you, this is the way I do it at least. So let's say I have a, a, a dialogue that I want between two people, uh, let's say Fred and Nancy. Um, I, I go in and I, and I know the text ahead of time, let's say. I'm, I put all of the text in the lines. Uh, let's say I've got 10 lines of dialogue. So I got that all the 10 lines. And then I start reviewing and then tweaking. Um, and the tweaking process is, I say, the most time intensive. Like to, to go from zero to first draft is like instantaneous. 
Um, but then when you really want to polish something, make it good, that's where, that's where the creative kind of director mode comes in. Uh, and then when you're done with that, you can hit export and then you've got a, a wave file that you can do what you want with. You can drag it over into iMovie. You can, uh, put it into unreal or unity. Um, but that's the, that's the typical workflow. And when you say tweak it, do you mean tweak the text or tweak the voices or pretty much everything? Both. Um, okay. Okay. This is actually a good point. Um, something that we Koki, uh, is pretty clearly differentiated versus, uh, other, uh, voice providers is we give you tools for, uh, tweaking the performance of a single line. Uh, but we also give you, this is the differentiating part. Uh, we also give you tools to create new voices. So the kind of typical way in 2023, uh, you might go create a new voice, a synthetic voice is to make a clone of somebody. That's really fun. That's really cool. Uh, but if you're actually going to use this in like a commercial application, you could get in trouble very easily. <laughs> like I can't just go, I can't just go have Morgan Freeman voice my car commercial, right? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> as much as the, I know a lot of people would like to do that. Um, but if you, if you're like a serious company, uh, using this in production, you're just begging for a lawsuit. We developed what we call prompt to voice. Uh, which is basically you describe in text the kind of voice you want. Um, and if the model works well, that's the voice you get. So if I say I want, you know, uh, a 30-year-old uh, man with a uh, New York accent who sounds like he smokes too many cigarettes, I can type that text in, hit generate, and I should hopefully get a voice that sounds like that. Um, it's a product. As far as I know, we are the only ones who have this product working, uh, in production. Um, it's something that we've been working on for a while. I think we announced it in March. Um, and it's uh, something we're constantly developing to get better and better. Uh, but it's, it's really, it's really fun. It's a really fun tool. It's kind of voice creation side of things. So you can do that. You can also, we have this kind of, I guess, a, a guided version of that, which is we give you uh, kind of like a word cloud and you hit buttons of the words, the qualities of the voice you want. And then if it works well, uh, you should be getting a voice that sounds like that. So, you, you know, uh, and, and we guide you through it. This is actually a, something that we rolled out not too long ago, maybe a month and a half ago, two months ago. Um, so like you start saying, I want, you know, uh, a male who's a teenager, who's uh, got a Australian accent. And then you start hitting these kind of attitude attributes or voice attributes like, um, happy-go-lucky. You can click that. And then based on what you click, it starts giving you other traits that go well with that. Uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty fun feature. Um, so yeah, so, um, there's the tools for adjusting an individual line of dialogue in 
the whole project, but then there's also these tools for creating voices. And practically what our users do is they create a bunch of voices and they have a kind of voice bank. And then they use those for different characters and different projects. Um, and we see very much uh, as we move forward, Koki Studio to be this kind of team collaboration uh, application. So in any kind of game development studio, you've got the writers, you got these like narrative designers, uh, you've got the audio people, you got the creative directors, and everybody is going to want to come in and do something with the dialogue. Uh, and so that's that's what we're moving toward, these kind of team collaboration tools. Yeah, awesome. In a layman's terms, or maybe you can get as technical technical as you want with this, but how does it actually work under the hood? Like when you're when you're typing in a prompt, I want to sound like uh, someone with an Australian accent, happy go lucky. How does that work? Like, are you calling on some kind of LLM to do that? Do you make your own? Like, how does it work to get yeah. the to sound like that? But everything, everything we do is uh, all the kind of core models that we're working on, we're developing in-house. Mm -hmm. um, and this particular aspect is something that we have not uh, made public yet. So this is kind of one of our secret sauce things okay. that I can't go into depth about, but I can say at a high level, uh, yeah, there's kind of the newest uh, LLMs and diffusion stuff going on under the hood. So right now, what do you use to tweak? Do you use those kind of prompts, like those cloud prompts, but you're, you're working on the customized prompts? Am I getting that right? For, for an individual line of dialogue? Yeah. Yeah. So right now, for an individual line of dialogue, um, we... We're moving towards that. That's something that I yeah, want that's to like coming in the reform, uh, change, just like you would when you're working with a, um, a voice actor, like read it a little more sad, put more stress here and, mm. and like kind of natural language direction. That's where we're, we're moving towards. But right now it's, uh, it's kind of this drop down set of, uh, kind of style emotions so like angry sad happy very much a first step on the direction um but for for directing a certain line of dialogue that's what we have but for creating the voices it's more free form right now one, one interesting thing that like sort of comes um from this is say if you create your own voice and it's very unique you have a prompt that's very detailed right do you sort of own that like who owns the rights <laughs> to that <laughs> like that I mean, maybe that's not even sorted out yet, but that's something interesting that's going to be coming down yeah. the road in the future legally, I think. I, I totally agree. I think that that is a very hard question. If I have created a voice that doesn't exist in the world um, and I've created that using my creativity plus somebody else's uh, tool, so I've, you know, if, if I'm a user, I'm using my creativity to craft this prompt, but then I'm also using this base model from Koki. Uh, I need both of them together to make the voice, right? Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that this is something that in the, there's been some uh, say legal precedent in the image generation space, um, but I, I don't know because Voices, I think, are a little bit of a different, a uh, little bit of a different thing because it's not a static. Like a voice doesn't exist outside of speech. Like it has to. The voice is a generator in itself. So it's like, 
when you use Koki to create a voice, you're using this voice generator to create a speech generator, right? Um, I, I think at least for voices in particular, as far I mean, as I know, there's this is still uh, copyright IP kind of gray area, um, but I think it's gonna be solidifying very soon. At least I think it's gonna be solidifying very soon when it comes to voice clones. I think that that's something that people are being too loosey-goosey with right now. But uh, when it comes to creating a new voice, because there's so few technologies that can do this, and there's, as far as I know, we're the only ones that can do it, like production level, I I don't know. It's yeah. it's a really interesting landscape, I agree. It's going to be fascinating. Like we, we've, we've spoken with a bunch of different projects, and um music is one that comes up a lot so like what i see happening is like tools like yours being used to create songs right so who owns a song if some virtual ai star appears out of nowhere they're just fabricated right it's not a person it's just a made up made up avatar and they're mm -hmm. singing a song based on music that's created by a, a tool like yours who owns the, who owns the music right right like we don't know it's I think it should probably be the pe person that created it, but it's going to be a very interesting landscape if you have some superstar made up Taylor Swift that doesn't really exist in real life. Like, who has the rights to that? Um, it's going to yeah. be a wild world to see how that works out. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, where do you see your project going in the future, maybe five mm -hmm. years, 10 years? What does that long-term vision look like? Well, I think about the landscape, how the landscape's going to change and what our place is going to be in that landscape, right? contextualization here when i think about the landscape how it evolves i look towards uh the text generation landscape and also the image generation landscape because just kind of traditionally in machine learning research uh text and image are always the most advanced um usually it's text first and then those algorithms and breakthroughs they spill over into image and then from image, they spill over into uh, voice um, and audio, kind of generally speaking. I think something's really interesting happened also just in the last few months when it comes to, uh, I mean, like Meta's accidental release of the llama weights uh, and kind of these language models becoming commoditized. Like, I mean, it's very predictable. Like, the, tra the trajectory was there. Um, that all of these models are going to become commodities over time. It's just a matter of how much time. What you see happening, especially right now with the image space, because those are kind of the, there's less open source, I think, for the image space. Uh, and there's more of these kind of clear, clearly defined, commercially viable uh, contenders. So you've got Midjourney, you've got Stability, you've got Adobe. Uh, I mean, you've got OpenAI, but and then you've got Microsoft and, and Google, right? Like all, all these players in the space. I think that verticalizing is is really important. You're going to see more vertical specific generative models, just because, like, let's say, uh, Stable Diffusion works really well for mm, I don't know 3D art. It uh, doesn't mean it's going to work, work well for me in my use case because I'm a photographer, right? For example, like and, and gathering the right data to train the models 
is a really intense process and it takes a lot of resources and then training the model itself is a lot of resources and time. So I think we're going to see more kind of verticalization of the models themselves and also companies working on models themselves. Um, and what that means for us in our space is we've already, uh, we've already gone after video games and the needs of video game developers because the kind of speech that they need they need and the kind of control that they need is very different from if you're working with audiobooks like i was talking if you're a library um it's it's just different so right now i see us building more and more precise tools for people who are working on um dialogue uh whether that's in video games or movies or but just kind of uh creator tools that allow the creator to really tweak and create as opposed to uh chug through lots and lots of content um that's what i see us kind of working on and, and koki studio i think is something we spent a lot of time on to make it really smooth and hopefully user-friendly uh and that's something that we're going to be pushing towards, but also, yeah, dialogue in particular is its own kind of special beast. It's not narration. It's not audiobooks. Just working on dialogue and getting that really good is, is going to be a lot of effort from us. So like right now in Koki, can you, can you put in like a script with multiple different people and then like say, I want this guy to speak like this, this person to speak like that, or is it <laughs> is separate, like just one at a time right now? That's that so funny because you're literally like, think it's next week. I, I'm hoping it's next week. We're rolling out exactly this. Uh, awesome. Awesome. It's, it's really, you set me up for that one. Uh, <laughs> it's, I, I, uh, I didn't hack into your code. I didn't know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been one of our most requested workflow features is here. I have a script. I want to drag and drop and then have my project filled out. And that's because we have the prompt to voice, that's something that we can do from a pure textual script where you describe the voice of each character. We can go straight from a script to a, uh, like a table read, basically, uh, first pass in seconds. Uh, and I'm super psyched to have that there. And, and that's an example of like something that people working in dialogue really need, but somebody working like, uh, say the BBC, the BBC wants to have all their articles read by a synthetic voice. That's really good narration style, informative. That's it's a, it's a different thing. It's a different need. But you can, I mean, that's, it sounds like what you're working on for the dialogue is on a higher level, right? It's almost like you guys can do both, but it, you're just, you just want to focus on a niche that's sort of not met in terms of. Yes. Well. Okay. I'd say partially because there's different kinds of problems. I'll give you a, one example, a very concrete example. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm probably very oversimplifying it. So. No, no, it's, yeah. With dialogue, it's um, if you take a standard speech synthesis tool, and let's say you've got dialogue between two people, uh, you can make really great like monologues for each of them. Mm -hmm. But then if you put them together, the exact same audio just sounds weird. It sounds just off because okay. the, pro the prosody of two people talking that like when you say something 
how I reply and how I do my intonation, everything, it's informed by what you said. Um, and so that's a particular problem that we're working on that you don't have in narration. But also in narration, when you're narrating over long stretches of text, that's also not easy um, because you've got, uh, you've got information from previous parts of the text that also inform the intonation and prosody of later parts of the text. And the model should be able to account for that. And that's what like a, a, a lot of our competition, like let's say 11 labs is, is spending time working on this kind of long form audio generation, um, which is a, it's, it's a different beast <laughs> than, than dialogue. Interesting. Yeah. Another thing that, um, we interviewed real char a while ago and they had some, they do cool things like you can call up Elon Musk on the phone and, and speak with them live, right? Like it's just an AI generated version of it. People, when they're speaking with each other, interrupt each other, right? And AI is not really good at that. So how does the, if two AI characters are talking to each other, one interrupts the other one, like how does that tone work in their voice? How do they talk speak back? It's like those little subtle subtleties are the hard thing to work out. Um, and his, his product was, I mean, he's a brand new company, but he gave us a demo and it was like, wow, that's really cool. Like, cause he, he, he let us see how it worked between uh, two people, two different AI uh, characters talking with each other and they were interrupting each other. And it was, it was cool to see how it worked, you know, cause it, it seemed like that's very hard to do. That is very hard to do. I mean, <laughs> it's, there's, there's somebody in our community uh, who's working on, um, it's kind of like similar, it's like AI based conversational interactions. Um, and one issue that they were talking about is the AI doesn't know how to just respond a little bit or maybe not respond at all. Like when it hears a pause in the speech, it might just go off on a long reply when a human would just say, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, just, <laughs> it's human conversation is a very hard thing. Yeah. Well, I guess the good news is in, in your case, programmers can kind of put that stuff in the script, at least when they're entering it in for like dialogue, once you re release that a little bit, like they can add their own pauses in the, in the script or however they want to do so, that. Actually, so there's, there's an older way of doing that. That's kind of like called SSML. It's like speech synthesis markup language. Um, we, ours is all natural language input so you can add pauses but the pauses look like you know extra extra periods like you would put you know three periods yeah yeah um, but yes uh in, in in principle that's that's what we're uh well that level of control is this is the interesting thing is like there's some people who really want that level of control um but then there's other people who want like just like you're working with a voice actor, you don't necessarily say which words need more pause or which ones need more in intonation. Uh, you just say like, give it kind of more higher, you give the actor more higher level direction, like read it with more anger and angst, right? Okay. And then you, so we actually have, in, in Koki Studio, we give the user the option here to, to use a model that lets you really do fine tuning. It's called our V1 mm -hmm. model. And then we have another model which predicts how to give a performance based on the text. So it knows, uh, 
like if, if I have a text that says my cat died yesterday, it's a sad thing. Uh, it's not going to give you a happy-go-lucky interpretation of it, you know? <laughs> because right, it right. knows that that's not what a human would say. So it's like, uh, it sounds like it's eventually going to get smart enough it will do all this stuff yourself, but right now you can do it both ways in Koki. I think it has to do with user preference. I think there's some people who want to have that really down in the weeds, like fine tuning. Um, and there's some people who don't and it, they're like different creative processes. So like, yeah, I mean, we, we have, we have, we expose tools for manipulation that are down to like the phoneme level, which is the, it's like smaller than a syllable. There's people who want that level of control and there's people who want higher level of control and there's, I think it has less to do with the capabilities of the technology and more to do with how people like to manage the creative process. Like a director with voice, a director with the voiceover actors, like humans, sort of that yeah. resembling that in a way. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's directors do different things. Uh, creative directors, uh, work differently. And we have like, for example, we have tools that let you manipulate. So at the utterance, the word, the syllable, and then down to the phoneme is the smallest unit of, of, of speech. Um, and I know people who are using our product to go down to the phoneme and adjust at that level. Like they want that level of control and they love it for that. Um, <laughs> All right. I probably wouldn't have the patience, but. <laughs> what's your team look like right now? Like how many people are working on the project and what's, what's maybe yeah. your role? Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah. Uh, so we got um, 11 people right now. There's, um, it's a most are doing kind of the machine learning model development side of things. Uh, we've got some people working on Koki studio, uh, the web application and the design of that. And my role is mostly sales and partnerships, kind of, how do you say, outward facing things, uh, a, a little bit of marketing too. Um, at a startup, you kind of do a lot of random stuff, it seems like. Uh, but right now, mostly what I spend my time is, uh, is uh, sales. Uh, enterprise sales. And what is the, what does the pricing model look like, uh, right now for, for Koki? Yeah. So there's, there's a split, there's two ways, uh, either you can go to Koki.ai slash pricing and you see the kind of standard pricing, um, which is usage based. It basically translates into dollars per hours of usage, uh, or hours of speech that's been generated. This is something that. People who, who use us, if they're coming from, you know, the stable diffusion and, and mid journey world, this makes total sense to them. Uh, but a lot of other folks, it's, it's a new kind of model. Like, why would I pay for something that I generate and I don't like it? I'm not going to use it. I'm going to generate something again. Right. Um, but we pay for GPUs, so we have to charge for that. Well, it's, it's like fractions of a penny too, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But then, uh, for enterprise customers, um, we've just started doing kind of on-premise deployment, which is, I think really an interesting option for a lot of folks, uh, which means you don't have to use our API much faster, lower latency, and, uh, you don't have to worry about data going places you don't want it to go.
And that's that's a pricing that happens with the conversation. We like to ask everyone this: What's your, I mean, what's your thoughts on AI in the next in the near future? Like, where do you see things going? I mean, that's a, such a broad question, but what's what's something yeah. that you see uh, coming out of this in the next in the next few years? I see more and more the importance of open source in in all of this. Um, I mean, all of the, there's this kind of academic tradition that, you know, started uh, with, with all this machine learning, deep learning, and there's this kind of desire to share ideas. And that's why people publish papers. And that's why people, you know, get a PhD like Hunter here, right? Uh, and that kind of idea sharing is, is, is critical for, for deep learning and, and machine learning AI advancement, right? Um, so I see more and more of these models, uh, becoming these kind of community projects that, um, become accessible to everybody. And, uh, in terms of AGI, which is, you know, the one that everybody wants to talk about, uh, <laughs> I don't see it coming anytime soon. I mean, I'm, uh, I, we have really awesome language models that can say really cool, fun stuff. And they can be also very useful. Don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I, chat GPT and the open source equivalents can be super useful. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think AGI is around the corner, but I do think some, there's a trend to, for all these models getting smaller, faster, um, and the ability to run them locally and the ability to use them either open source or open access. And this is something I think is really cool. We're going to start seeing a lot more uh, AI enabled software and technology out in the world. Because if you think about like specifically for a voice application, like a conversational voice application, there's at least three things you need. You need speech recognition. You've got some uh, some large language model, some brain that's you know understanding what's being said and then planning what's going to be said, uh, and then you got speech synthesis. The two models have already been released and made really really efficient. Llama uh, and Whisper for for large language model and then for uh, speech recognition, and uh, an XTTS, which is what we released recently for speech synthesis, is kind of the third piece of the puzzle there. And there's already people working on making it much, much more efficient. And so you've got these three models that you can, you know, I think not in the distant future, put on a Raspberry Pi and have local conversations. Uh, and it's going to be, it's going to be really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I just, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but that Mistral, uh, M-I-S-T-R-A-L, uh, LLM. Yep. Did you see that one, that open source one? Yeah, it's pretty wild. Oh yeah. Um, but all these new um, LLMs coming out, like you said. Uh, as I was gonna say really quick, uh, so we collaborate pretty closely with the folks at Hugging Face and uh, one of the team members at Hugging Face put together a cool demo where you're talking to Mistral. Uh, I think it's called Talk with Mistral. Um, it's, on, it's on Hugging Face Space. It uses Whisper, uh, Mistral and Koki. And uh, it's it's pretty fun. That's awesome. I'll have to check it out. I checked out their hugging face spaces for the the chatbot Mistral, and it's pretty wild because it's not uncensored, you know. And it's 
yes it's, it's a fresh it's it's kind of a um it's fun to play with because it doesn't hold back is there anything you want to promote or other than your website um now's the time to do it if you have anything you yeah. want to share with audience um, i'd say uh so we've got a great community on discord uh look for koki on discord um check out the github repo um it's github.com koki ai slash tts uh, check out the model that we recently released on uh, Hugging Face. It's XTTS. If you just go to the Hugging Face spaces and type in XTTS, you'll find it. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the website, koki.ai, if you don't want to do code and, and all that stuff. Um, but uh, the Discord community is really fun. Uh, we got a lot of different people all the way from like, you know, random indie hackers all the way to the PhDs. And we've, you know, everybody in between um it's uh it's a fun crowd that things are moving fast people are doing lots of different experiments and it's yeah it, it surprises me <laughs> um yeah thanks for having uh having me on and uh appreciate the you taking the time and uh looking forward to seeing how this comes out yeah same yeah. same here so head out to koki dot ai that's c-o-q-u-i dot ai and we'll also put the link in the description as well and then follow ryan and i's newsletter fry ai french fries are just for fun uh because ryan's daughter loves french fries so fry hyphen ai.com slash subscribe it's completely free to subscribe we have uh new news coming out every single weekday and then deep dives into very cool projects and developers like this one koki uh, coming out on Sunday mornings as well.